TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone! Touch them all, Joe Maurer! And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now, our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Uh, hey, welcome to Touch Em All Podcast. Derek Wetmore and Phil Mackey trying something a little new today, Phil. We're streaming live on at least YouTube and Twitter. I was going to see what those feeds look like. We're also just going to talk about the Twins offseason. This is a normal podcast for podcast listeners, but if you were one of the lucky few that was on our social media platforms at the time we started this, you also get to watch us in person. Which is horrifying, I think, for on many levels. Yeah, Phil Mackey, Derek Wetmore, and Carlos Gomez hanging out with you live, and uh, this is a super interesting off season, Phil. We've talked about it a lot. There, are probably, I sent you a prep email last night. I don't know if there's twenty different names on this list, but we could legitimately talk about all of them and then some for what the Twins could and should do this winter. You've always been a little bit of a contrarian, Phil. Do you have any takes? On what they need to do right away. I don't know if this is a contrarian take, but I've I've been going through the tier one, tier two free agents. Okay, obviously Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. Be in on those guys as much as you can be, but also understanding that there's someone's going to give one of those guys three hundred fifty or four hundred million dollars, or both of them sure. combined, they're going to make over a half billion dollars guaranteed. And my guess is, we've already done this in a previous episode, my guess is the Twins aren't going to land Manny Machado or Bryce Harper. So, okay, what what positions do they need? How can they get creative? I think position players are going to be more important for the Twins because I, I, I kind of like the Jose Barrios. Kyle Gibson made a big turn last year. I don't hate the pitching staff. The relievers need work. Are you in on a Craig Kimbrell? But the name that I'm most obsessed with right now for the Twins I thought he was older for some reason. I thought this guy was like 35 years old, just throughout the season last year, breaking down with injuries. He's only 32. He's only two years removed, I guess three years, from an MVP season in which he led the major leagues in runs batted in, runs scored, uh, total bases. He was one of the better defenders at his position. Josh Donaldson on a make-good one- or two-year contract. My guess is he's not looking to sign a three-year undervalue deal. I'm, I'm guessing he wants a one- or a two-year make-good, probably a second-year option. Keep in mind, this guy in 2017 hit 33 home runs in just 113 games and and had a 944 OPS. So um, I think if the Twins, if you strike out, baseball pun, on Bryce Harper oh, and I Manny Machado. It. Yeah, it took you a second. It's early in the morning here, Pacific time. Um <laughs> I think if you were to bring in Josh Donaldson to play third base, move Miguel Sano to first base and or DH, and now Tyler Austin and Miguel Sano can fight over first base and DH, and you put a bona fide, if he's healthy, a bona fide, solidified stud player at that position, that makes it a lot easier to stomach the Twins lineup going in. Because, I mean, I'm not ready to go into a fifth season wondering if Miguel Sano can play third base or not. Yeah, Put him at first base. And, you know, if you know on days where Josh Donaldson... Maybe maybe Miguel mixes in for 20 or 30 games at third base just to keep his chops. Sure. But I think of all the possible names, I'm most curious about 
$15 million one year or whatever that number looks like for Josh Donaldson to get right. And if he goes and signs somewhere else after the season, that's okay. So I'll ask you on the health because I don't know the full spectrum of what went wrong with him in 2018. But when he was on the field, he played well. He had good numbers, not superstar numbers that you'd seen the past three seasons from him. But he was a good player, a useful pickup for the Indians. I'm tempted to talk here about Derek Falvey's radio interview on 1500 ESPN late last week. He was asked uh, what the priority list was. Doogie was hosting a show, and um, I think it was like two infielders, starter, and a reliever. And those weren't his words, but he didn't disagree with them either. Mm -hmm. And he said, we're talking about the possibilities of what that infield makeup might look like. And, you know, it kind of went, Falvey sometimes gets into a little spinning circle where he'll just say a lot of words and you have to sort of parse through it. In this case, it was pretty clear what he was saying. He openly said on the radio that if we find a better option at shortstop or third base, we'll consider moving Jorge Polanco to second, consider moving Miguel Sano to first. And I think that's something that a lot of fans would think, but you might not hear from a chief baseball officer all the time. When I hear that, Phil, that to me goes beyond just, well, you could do this. If he's saying it on the radio in a public forum and he's got experience doing this stuff, so it wasn't just slip of the tongue, that's something that they've talked about a lot behind the scenes and would be willing to pursue. That's why Josh Donaldson's really interesting to me. Yeah, and, and I mean, obviously, there's some risk because he only played a third of the games last year, yeah. and he played in maybe two-thirds of the games the year before that. Um, but if you get even 120 games out of Josh Donaldson, and he not only does he add just quality offensive value and good at-bats and He's the godfather of launch angle, it feels like, the past five years. Um, He feels like the type of guy that could help change a clubhouse in some ways, too. That could come. Not that I I don't think the clubhouse is in the same spot it was maybe two or three years ago. But there's definitely an opening for leaders right now. There's that with with Brian Dozier gone and with Joe Maurer gone. Can you go in with just a bunch of young guys? Is Eddie Rosario one of the new, one of the three new leaders in that clubhouse? I don't. I don't know enough about whether he's capable of doing that as he emerges into his prime. But I know that Josh Donaldson can. Yeah. So I think supplementing, I don't think you should, the Twins have made the mistake in the past of they supplement the roster with veterans for the sake of having veterans. Matt Belisle, and I'm not I'm not saying that there's zero value in bringing in a mediocre reliever to be a leader, but if you could kill two birds with one stone and bring in someone who knows what winning looks like in Oakland and with Toronto and with Cleveland last year. And he's also awesome and won an MVP award a few years ago. And you got money to spend. It just makes a lot of sense. We won't spend too much time talking about Josh Donaldson. There will be other I was planning people. on spending a full hour, And actually, that's fine. So. That's your prerogative. I mean, you can go to another room if yeah, you want to. So you can do that maybe after we shut the camera off. I'm wearing Josh Donaldson boxer briefs right now. Just speaking with yourself in a lonely, dimly lit room listening to smooth <laughs> jazz. I think that there's... Uh, there is a component of that that we just sort of glossed over, but that's that MLB Trade Rumors suggests this. You suggested it. I've heard other people, too, um, and read places where they say Josh Donaldson's going to take a make-good contract. A, do we know that for sure? B, are you out if he wants a multi-year commitment? I need to know more about the health. That's why I kind of asked that question in such a leading way. But would you be in on Josh Donaldson without the asterisk that you brought up at the at the first jump of, 
if he's healthy? I'd go three years. A three-year deal for it, it'd have to it would, sixty or seventy yeah, million dollars. I would. How risky can that really be? Right. And not you know what? Money. It's not like he's on the verge of just combusting as a player. I think the the risk would be there's some injury that lingers and he's missing a half season here, half season there. But I would roll the dice on him coming back and maybe not being the Iron Man that he used to be when he's playing 158 games and um, you know and he's in these leading teams and plate appearances. I think I'm ready to roll the dice if it came down to that on, yeah. a, on a two or three year guarantee contract for him. And and I guess I'll throw the question back on you: Is there anyone else in the system right now at third base, shortstop? The the next guy to come up is Royce Lewis, internally, anyways, that you would really trust to to hold down a position. And he's not going to be at at best if he tears his way through the minors. He might be a September call yeah. up. Well, third base, man, or Wander Javier's in that shortstop conversation too. Yeah, uh, you know, it's really interesting because at. At catcher, at third base, seemingly at center field too, they kind of have circled it and said, "All right, we're good." And that's maybe a you have to do that to a certain extent. You can't always be looking to upgrade every position in prospects and in free agent talent trade market. I would not be opposed to them going out and getting a third baseman. I guess my question is like, do you do you make that your top off season priority? And for me, it's not. My top off season priority is to be told no by Bryce Harper first. Manny Machado second, and if both of those guys are going to sign with the Phillies and Yankees respectively, and that's just this foregone conclusion apparently, well, all right, then I'm talking to Patrick Corbin, and Josh Donaldson is in this second group, and on down that list. I'm also looking at trade candidates because I think the Twins are really well positioned to not only spend in terms of dollars on the free agent market, they're really well primed to trade prospects too, and that's just another form of currency. So... I don't know who would be number one on my list. You can't really have a number one, I don't think, unless his name's Bryce Harper. Well, he's, he's number one. He's my number one. After that, it kind of becomes like a shotgun approach of like, okay, we need to shore up, I think, shortstop. The Twins might think second base. We need to shore up, I think, third or first base. I don't know where the Twins fall on that one. I wouldn't hate upgrading the outfield. I, we all talk about this young trio and how great they're going to be. And we've been saying that for three years. Max Kepler did not take a step forward last year. Yeah, but the, here's the thing, though. Like, on the outfield, you're right. You shouldn't go in thinking, okay, well, this is the solidified outfield. But the twi- I mean, who's right. who's solidified outside of Eddie Rosario? Buxton's I'll, not. I'll push back. Rosario's not solidified. He had a great three months. That's it. I'm okay, but like... I'll take him. He's starting. He's my starting so, left fielder. Solidified in that... You're not questioning whether he can be a starter. Correct. He's a starter. So opening day, you know you have Rosario in left field, and you know you have Buxton in center field or on the bench, whatever. Right. He's out of minor league options. But here's the problem, at least in my mind. I know if I'm Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, I know that I'm going into the year giving three months runway to Byron Buxton and Max Kepler and okay. to some extent Jake Cave as the as the fourth outfielder or as the third outfielder and whatever that looks like. So can you play both sides of that fence? Can you can you say, can you hedge and say, well, let's bring in an established starting caliber outfielder. Michael Brantley, for example. Right, but also allow for these other guys to have enough runway to try and take off themselves. I think you have to pick one or the other. You're not yep. going to bring in Michael Brantley and start Eddie Rosario. Oh, and give a fair shot to Max Kepler and Byron Buxton right. to see if they can become 
you know, 10-year cornerstone players for you. So this is exactly what I'm saying with sort of the scattershot. Outfield would not be my priority. If you go into the year having addressed the rotation, you feel a lot better about your bullpen than you do today, because I think that's critical. You feel confident in some form or fashion that catcher is going to be covered, and then you add two other infielders. I mean, that's a long to-do list. Yeah. So if you go with this starting outfield, but you did all those things, that's fine. That's fine. And by the way, my hot take is that Jake Cave might be a better baseball player than Max Kepler. And so That's not that hot of a take. But if that's your outfield mix and you go right now, Eddie Rosario starting in left, Jake Cave starting in right, Byron Buxton starting in center, and Max Kepler's your fourth outfielder competing for that right field spot, yeah. that's okay. Now, if you sign Michael Brantley, for example, to play a corner spot, you trust Buxton in center, Rosario in left, let's say, well, then you'd probably be trading a guy like Max Kepler to try to address a position elsewhere because I don't think you can just throw unlimited resources at fixing quote-unquote an outfield and knowing that you have all of these other problems to address so anyways if you think you have a glut there you use it to fix some of the other spots those would be those other spots would be my top priority and probably it starts with pitching yeah, I'm, I'm going to mix in a couple questions here, too. I see people are uh, diving into the chat box here awesome. on Periscope and YouTube. Yeah, and see, we are live on YouTube. I can confirm. We appreciate that. So, uh, let's see, almost, is it almost Brad Pitt? Nice handle. Uh, Ask, is it too soon for Brent Rooker, Alex uh, Kirilov, and Royce Lewis for September call-ups? Um, I think... I don't think it's too soon for Brent Rooker. Brent Brent Rooker, if he gets off to a hot start, and and correct me if I'm wrong on this, I think he's a midseason call-up kind of a guy, and they've sort of tried to fast-track him the last couple of years. And that's the type of guy that could, he could play a corner outfield spot, and he could also play some first base. And it feels like the Twins are aiming for versatility, and mm-hmm. and they're, they're trying to cultivate multi-positional talent so that you've got guys who can play third and first. You've got guys... In Mitch Garver, who can catch, play corner outfield, play first base. And Brent Rooker feels like all of that from the day that they drafted him. Yeah, I think when you drafted him, you were hoping the bat fast-tracked him to the big leagues in 2019. is a, uh, a pretty aggressive timeline, but he was an advanced college bat. So that's how quickly they move. Now it's about finding a position for him. On Rooker, no, I don't think that's too early. He could be a September call-up. On Lewis, yes, I think that's out of the question. I think You, you think start September's the year, out of the question? I think you start the year and say... Dominate the minors. Go be on the cover of Baseball America in July. And that's the goal for the season. Now, you get into a weird spot if you're in the postseason hunt and you're one of those teams and you're struggling to fill shortstop, for example, or second base. And now you got this blazing hot prospect. But we've already seen the Twins are playing service time games. So do you call them up in September and start that clock? Well, don't know. I think. Okay, on, on I would just say Kirloff and Royce Lewis are in that same category of sure. you're probably not going to see them in 2019. Now, if they cuz I don't think it's out of the question that the Twins are competing for a playoff spot. They've got they, oh, so already, much they can do yeah. in the offseason. They're going to win the Central. I already told you that. So there you have it. You want to expand on that? The, yeah. Well, well, if the Indians go into sell mode, right. there's some rumors that the Indians might be floating the Corey Kluber's Yes. And if that happens, then don't the Twins by default just elevate to the favorites in this division? Indians won how many games? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. A lot more games than the Twins 78. It was I think it was 90 on the nose in a really, really weak division. That's that's not a great team. That's a good team. So, the Twins won 78 games. You got to account for some 
positive regression from injuries and underperformance. That'll help boost that number. Then you've got $70 million to spend upgrading the roster. You can buy a lot of wins with $70 million Mm -hmm. in 2019 and for the future. Uh, That helps close the gap considerably. And then you account for the fact, even before the Indians make a ridiculous decision and trade some of these guys, if they trade Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, any of those players, it will be surprising. You could trade Jason Kipnis and get away with it and be fine. But the Indians could come down because they're losing Andrew Miller, Cody Allen. Mm-hmm. Well, they had Josh Donaldson for a part of the season, but they're probably losing him now too. And Michael Brantley. That's a lot of wins that you're just throwing out from 2018. And so I think the Indians are going to come back. I think the Twins are going to be hyper-aggressive this winter. If they're not, I'll be the first to rip them. But I think that this is the Twins' division to win, and this is the time to pounce. Yeah, it, it feels like the Indians are definitely a fading stock. When, when the Indians were up three games to one in the World Series, and then when they came back in Game 7 to yeah. tie it, that was your window. That, that to me, felt like Vikings against New Orleans Saints 2009, oh, and you're driving into field goal range, and you've got you've, everyone's either at the peak of their prime or on the backside of their prime years. Well, and this is your chance if you don't shoot yourself in the foot. Yes. And so it, it does feel like the Twins are – I know it, fans might disagree with this in part, but the Twins feel like a stock on the rise in a lot of ways, even though they went down in win total last year. I view the Twins as putting together a lot of good things behind the scenes – I love the Rocco Baldelli hire. I love Jose Barrios as a cornerstone in your rotation. I do think Byron Buxton's going to click to some extent. So maybe I'm being too Pollyanna. But to your point, the Twins feel like a stock on the rise. The Indians feel like a stock on the decline. And the, sure. and the White Sox also feel like a stock on the rise, too. And it just kind of depends on how quickly, with all of their young talent, can they rise up as they're trying to yeah. catch the Twins and even. losing Michael Kol- Kopech hurts, so like... I think that the Twins have a little gap here where the Indians should come down. The Twins should go for it. I've got some names to throw out at you if you want to continue this reckless, hot, red-hot speculation. Let's do it. I also have uh, a name that I threw out at you before we went live. And your first take was, well, Joe Maurer coming out of retirement would be better than this guy. So we'll get to that. Careful. It's pretty much what you said. But we'll get to it in a second. Uh, a quick word for our friends at Luther Brookdale Toyota, which has been powering the Touch em All podcast for a number of years now, and they've been friends of the Mackey and Judd Show. Corner of 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. If you're, like, I'm going to be honest, I'm not really a car guy. I know, I just, I mean, I barely change my own oil, for God's sake. So if you're looking for peace of mind and you're just looking for a bunch of experts who treat you like family, whether it's something maintenance related or if it's you know, trading in or looking to upgrade to a new vehicle, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard, Luther Brookdale Toyota, and the website is lutherbrookdaletoyota.com. Uh, they've been helping my family for 30-plus years. You can't go wrong. Uh, it's it, it, the, the best sports analogy would be it's the combination of great front office, great field staff, and now they've got this facility that they just built, uh, their own version of a target field a few years ago. So you've got everything all coming together. Go take advantage and ride the wave. All right. Why don't you throw some more names out? Are these all free agent names, or are these some trades? trades? Okay. So I'm pulling from a couple different spots, and let's start with Carlos Santana. But I'll also tell you that I'm pulling from MLB Trade Rumors, who suggest that the Twins are going to sign a number of the top 50 free agents this year, three of them actually. Um, they linked them to a bunch of other guys, so we can rapid-fire through some of that. Okay. Because that's just 
they just tag as many teams as they possibly can because it's MLB trade rumors, and they're a wonderful website. Then there's also some trade targets that are some have steam and some are just realistic speculation. Like I, I would probably be interested in this if I was the Twins. But let's start with Carlos Santana because Ken Rosenthal at the Athletic floated it that I've seen some reports go as far as saying that the Phillies are aggressively shopping Carlos Santana. I love I, I love that distinction this it's time. It's hilarious. I love mystery teams. I love you're not just shopping a player. You're aggressively like are you sending caps lock emails to other GMs? Yeah. Carlos Santana half price. Yeah, exactly. I mean like, like what does that even mean? Doing your due diligence could mean calling Scott Boris to say, hey, would you sit down and get coffee? Mm-hmm. It could also mean like checking with his sixth grade teacher to make sure he was an attentive student. And what, like, there's this spectrum that always I laugh every time I hear a phrase like kicking the tires or kicking or the tires had internal discussions right. about. Of course they did. There aren't that many players in Major League Baseball. You'd better talk about all of them. I mean, internal discussions about could literally be let's pull up just so we're not missing anyone. Let's pull up MLB <laughs> trade rumors and see what's out there. He's on our. Oh, man. Did you see that Manny Machado's a free agent? That's yeah, a... it's crazy. Like, oh, we just had internal discussions about him. And he's on a spreadsheet somewhere. <laughs> we should figure out if this makes sense for us. I, I laugh. Also, by the way, you just said you're not a car guy. Have you ever physically, when you go in, I buy your car from a dealership or lease or whatever, I've, I buy all my cars off Craigslist. But if you're going to do that, do you physically kick the tires at any point? Does that have any bearing on your decision to buy or sell that car? I think that's only, when I envision people kicking the tires, I think that's at those really shady used car lots. <laughs> yes. Like those those bargain lots where <laughs> yes. you want to kick the tire to make sure the hubcap doesn't fall off. You know, I had a guy at one time, I was selling a car, and it was an old car, and he, you know, he's looking around inside of it, making sure that, okay, if all the upholstery's not perfect, that's fine. I'm not buying this car to be, you know bring in celebrities back and forth in the airport. This is just a junker car, which is the reason that I had it. He, he's like, do you mind if I look under the hood? I said, sure. I, Yeah, I don't know what you're going to find. I'm not a car guy. Here you go. Opens it up. He looks at it. He said, would you rub the engine real quick? Rev it. <clears throat> okay, yeah, would you shut it off? Sure, no problem. Take the key out. And then he puts his hands and braces his shoulders and shoves all his weight up and down in the car and just watches it bounce. <laughs> I'm like, sure. are you making sure that the engine doesn't just fall out <laughs> of the front of the car? It's like, there's like no raccoons that are hidden underneath somewhere. Like, and if what? it did, I would have been screwed out of like whatever, a couple hundred bucks that I got for that thing. Thankfully, it did oh, not. Man. That's so, why you got to go to Luther. Or no, we're done, with, we're done with the spots. How about the uh, twins kicking the tires on Carlos Santana? Would it be interesting? Yes. And you probably oversold what I said before the podcast, so just to set the record straight. Derek's trying to save face right now. But that's Carlos right. Santana has two years, $40 million left with the Phillies. He just right. signed that deal last winter. It makes sense why financially the Phillies might want to get out from under that, move Reese Hoskins to first base, be done with that whole mess, and sign Bryce Harper. All right. That makes a lot of offseason sense for the Phillies. Yeah. To do that, would you motivate a team? Would you aggressively shop him by throwing in a discounted price tag. Hey, we'll pay some of the salary. Give us a prospect. We'd like to be out from under this. Well, I'm, I'm if, gonna, if oh, that's sorry. the case, I would say, yeah, Carlos Santana. If not, he's got basically Joe Mauer numbers a little bit better yeah. offensively and a more, switch hitter. More power. More and, power. Same on base. Pretty similar in terms of uh, weighted on base, but Santana's better. 
Don't get me wrong. And you're paying him basically the same per year contract that you're paying. $20 million versus $23 million. If I'm the Twins, I might be tempted to look at that Joe Maurer $23 million retiring and getting off the books and saying, all right, how can we best use this money to upgrade the team? I'm not sure that's Carlos Santana. So a couple things. I, I, I've always been a huge mark for Carlos Santana, the baseball player. I like the guitar player too. Yeah, but he's like, pretty mo- good. But mostly the baseball player. Because I love how the old school baseball guys get so mad at his batting average. Two thirty hitter, two twenty five yeah. hitter. Right. He doesn't he doesn't have a super high batting average, but he gets on base and when he gets on base, he's usually hitting doubles and home runs. Yeah. So um and, and he he's he's move he's no longer I don't think he's caught in about three or four years. He's he wouldn't really get any catcher him. value. But but as a guy that you could plug in, he's a switch hitter, he if you look at last year anyways, he tends to hit left-handed pitching as a right-handed batter a lot better than the other way around. So it's not you wouldn't be able to platoon him necessarily with a Tyler Austin because Tyler Austin also hits left-handed pitching. So there's a l- little bit of a disconnect there if you wanted to mix and match with those guys. Um, but to your question about finances, where are the Phillies? I mean, the Phillies, I know I that's know. a top market. That's one of yes. the, what, six or seven top in terms of just population and TV market size. It's a big market, and they've spent huge on guys like Cliff Lee and Roy Halladay in the past. But they're about to give $400 million to Bryce Harper and eat money on a contract of a guy they're trying to get rid of. But that might be what they have to do. But here's my question to you. Are the Twins maybe in a spot where, let's say they wanted Carlos Santana. And I think, I don't think you would add Santana and a Josh Donaldson. I think it would be go kick the tires on okay Harper, Machado, Josh Donaldson. And then maybe, maybe Carlos Santana is a consolation prize and uh, you give up a prospect for him. I think the Twins are in a spot where to give up a lesser prospect, they should eat more money. It's only two years. It's not like you're locking into his age 39 season. The guy is 32, going to turn 33. So I'd rather rather hang on to a top-level prospect or what like a B-level prospect and eat the money if it helped the Phillies and – and have that be, you know, twenty million of the seventy million dollars that you might spend this offseason. Sure, but if you got seventy, and some of that goes to arbitration raises, and let's just say sixty left to spend, and you're going to spend thirty three percent of that fixing a problem that's not really your biggest problem. Well, offense is. I, I would I would argue that offense is a problem. You just lost Brian Dozier, and you just lost Joe Maurer, who I know he doesn't neither of whom had a good but, season. Right, but those guys, those guys on paper the last five years give you on base and power sure. and they give you structure to your lineup. Yeah. So just adding structure and trustworthy track records to your lineup, I think there's a lot of value in that if we're talking about the Twins as winning the division. I think, yeah, I, I mean, I think we're overrating Brian Dozier looking backwards in history a little bit. Come on in, Judd. But, <laughs> oh, Judd's here for the day. Yeah. Um, but I've got a couple of names to throw at you that I think could make sense. Let me first say that on the trade target front, I think it's absolutely the kind of time that you could go eat money on a bad deal, a perceived bad deal. And it's not a terrible deal. Well, I mean, and, and I'm going to go bigger. He's a productive player. I'm going to go bigger than Carlos Santana. Like Trade for a Zach Granke who's got Clayton Kershaw money left. It's like three years, 32 a pop. All right, that's a big contract, but he's a good pitcher. He'd be the best pitcher in your rotation next year unless you get Patrick Corbin, too. And you could trade for a guy like Paul Goldschmidt. You could trade for a guy like Zach Granke. Boy. Um, other trade guys that aren't going to cost you as much would be like Ray Iglesias, the Reds' closer. 
Uh, James Paxton of the Mariners, who's got two years of team control left. Is James Paxton, is he also the pitcher that had an eagle land on him at Target Field? And, and ever flinch? And ever since, I've wanted him in a Twins uniform dude, so badly. I, I just want that dude's steely countenance yes, in the clubhouse. Exactly. That, he, that, that, what, what, was, what, was the more, what was the more impressive unflinching moment? James Paxton having an eagle with talons and... Like, could shred your neck in pieces, oh, right? Yeah. And not flinching, or Kobe Bryant back and forth on that baseline inbounds pass with Matt Barnes, where he puts the ball about an inch from Kobe's nose, and Kobe doesn't flinch. Paxton, that's not the close. Eagles. Yeah. Yes, I would. I think you could take a basketball in the nose. I don't. I can't imagine what it would be like to have a large bird of prey land on my shoulder and just be chill about it with everybody watching. Like, oh, all right. Now, if it's a large bird of prey who also has a basketball and it's one inch from your face, that's Matt, next level. Matt Barnes typecast as a velociraptor. <laughs> uh, JT Realmuto is one that's been talked about a lot. This is probably another podcast episode, Phil, but trading for the next two years of his team control would make a ton of sense for the Twins. That's not a case where you need a lot of money. That's a case where you'd give up an Uber prospect or possibly two yeah. to try to get that conversation started. Let me. We can rapid fire through these two if you want, because I know you got some show stuff to take care of. But MLB Trade Rumors says that the Twins will land three of the top fifty free agents. I love these posts every year because you don't know what the batting average is going to be, but you know some of them are going to be hits, and it's fun to talk about. So obviously not reported. Dude, one of these names. Okay, th- throw these names out. Total speculation, but MLB Trade Rumors says you want me to go all three of them. Yeah, I- I- I'm not. I'm out on two of these three guys, by the way, based on, I think, okay. the contract and the fit. Marwin Gonzalez, four years, $36 million per MLB trade rumors. Jerry's Familia, three and 33. Nelson Cruz, two and 30. I'm out on the reliever for $33 million. I don't Really? Yeah. That's the only one I want. Really? Yeah. I want Nelson Cruz. Do you? I want third deck bombs. 38-year-old Nelson Cruz. Forget about the age. Jim Tomey was 40, hitting, sure. hitting home runs over the flagpost. Total anomaly. Nelson Cruz... Still at age thirty eight is an all star, a perennial all star. Yes, he has averaged forty plus home runs per season the last five years, which should be the twilight of his career. Yes, uh, he he was a late bloomer too. I mean, he didn't really break out until he was almost thirty years old. So I, I I'm all aboard the Nelson Cruz bandwagon, and I don't know. You pretty much just have to put him at DH yeah. with this team. Yeah. So I love Nelson Cruz. Great player. Wonderful career. I am not trying to pay for his past production. That's why I'm out on Nelson Cruz. I don't know if you are. I mean, you're not signing him to a five-year deal here. It'd be like a one- or two-year contract. You want to bet lunch on it? What are the parameters? I, we'll have to figure that out, but I'll come up with a bet before the next episode. I'll, okay, so he we could well, we could put an OPS or a we could go some nerdy sabermetric number, some Nelson sweater Cruz's vest number that we can— An over-under on his weighted on base average. can bet a kale salad on over years. lunch. <laughs> Marwin Gonzalez is an interesting one because I would sort of take the Eduardo Escobar role of hitter who you could put at several different positions. Yeah. But if you're assigning Marwin Gonzalez to be your shortstop, I don't think you're aiming high enough defensively at shortstop. Your your goal should be to upgrade from Jorge Polanco. And I haven't seen a whole ton of Marwin Gonzalez, but he could play corner outfield. He could play third base, shortstop, second base. Yeah. I just don't know that for what you're going to pay for him, because he's going to be a hot commodity, a guy that can move around and play a lot of different places with a bat. Uh, I'm not sure that I would be 
making that my top offseason priority. And per MLB trade rumors, that is what the Twins will be making their top offseason priority. I'm not sure I agree with that. So, yeah, if they want, I, I, I definitely, the Marwan Gonzalez thing feels like a twin signing. And it, not, sure. Not, oh, in, sure. not in a bargain bin uh, sort of Terry Ryan regime way or Metrodome way. It feels like, and I, I mean I mean that with all due respect, I, th- I think Marwin Gonzalez is not going to be a super splashy signing if they do bring him on board, but he fits with that multiple position. Sure. You know, you can do a lot with a guy like him. And he, you need guys like that in this team. He would, I think it would be, this is my personal, how I would approach it, either a Marwin Gonzalez or a Josh Donaldson. You'd probably rather have Josh Donaldson. For sure, I even would. Even if it's a one-year deal. Kind oh of yeah, for, I would for sure. Even though it gives you a little less flexibility, but Josh, if imagine if you went into the season and you had you signed Josh Donaldson to a make good contract, and he was just a one year mercenary for you, and yes. then maybe there's a second year option, and he gets back to being a near MVP caliber, at least offensive player, and now you can move Miguel Sano first base D eight. You're not as reliant on Miguel Sano to click at a position that's unlikely to be his long term position. I mean that. That would be really interesting. If I'm just Josh to circle Donaldson, back to the beginning of this episode. I'm not taking a player option on a make good contract. It's one year and pay me or commit to me as if I'm still Josh Donaldson and you have 100% faith. So yeah. let me throw out these names. You pick two of them. Okay. These are guys that MLB Trade Rumors tied to the Twins in that top 50 post. Okay. But it's such a like, oh, he's a good uh, power hitting third baseman. These 15 teams might need a third base upgrade. So take this for what it's worth. It's not like the Twins would be at the top of MLBTR's list here, but the Twins did make the list for all of these guys. Um, we just went through the three that they had signing, but then honorable mentions, pick two. I'll go backwards. Irvin Santana. No. Just I'll, I'll finish the list and you pick two. DJ LeMahieu, Daniel Murphy, Brett Laurie, Lowry, sorry, um, Zach Britton, we mentioned Donaldson, so I'll take him out here. Yasmani Grandal, Craig Kimbrell, Patrick Corbin. Give me two off of that list. That Corbin and Grandal. Okay, hands catcher, down. Catcher. Yeah, well, you need you for sure need a catcher, and I've seen a couple people in our Periscope chat throw out Yasmani Grandal. Yeah, so, I don't. I don't I, think you for sure need a catcher, but I do think you have to feel a little unsettled about that position right now. Yeah, and if you could add, if you thought Patrick Corbin's career season wasn't just a contract year, I mean, I'm not putting him in the same category as Ricky Nolasco, but Ricky Nolasco had a three something ERA and looked like, oh, he turned the corner and the Twins signed him, and he kind of went back. I think I think Corbin's different, so I would put Corbin. I mean, imagine a, a rotation now that includes Corbin if he translates to the American yeah. League, and Jose Barrios and. And they also have the, the the if Kyle Gibson has turned a corner, and that might be another one too. Kyle Gibson, do you let that ride? This might be another episode because we got to wrap this. But do you let Kyle Gibson ride on the last year of his deal and then figure it out, or do you reward him for looking like a totally new guy and give him a three or four year contract? No, I'd let it ride. I they, would too. They fought him in arbitration for like four dollars and fifty five cents. So clearly, they care about the last dollar of that investment. Well, he, I think they were making him prove it too, right? Like he, the the arbitration was coming off of a really good six to seven week stretch at the end of the season. A lot of it in September, after four years of total mediocrity and underachievement. Yeah. And they, I think, it was their way of saying. But arbitration is based on your peers and looks at the past two years of performance. So it's not like they were going to overpay for that. They were being cheap by doing that. 
squeezed Kyle Gibson for a couple of bucks, and that's fine. I got no I'm not problem sure he with that. He deserved a couple more bucks after a September Phil, performance. Phil, he's making it's like thirty percent of what he would on an open market. All arbitration players deserve a couple more bucks. The system is broken. It's but it's it's also principle in that you don't just want to be throwing your hands up and saying to everyone who wants more money right. in arbitration, Agreed. okay, like I guess you get more money. And this is my point that then why less than 12 months after you squeezed him, you turned the screws on Kyle Gibson for, I think it was $4.55. Once you did that, you're not, that's not like a four-year contract extension candidate. That's have a great year here, start a rotation with, if it's Patrick Corbin, Jose Barreos, Kyle Gibson, Jake Odorizzi, Michael Pineda, and then depth guys after that. I think that would be a pretty good spot for the Twins to be starting-wise. Yeah. So, man, there's so much more. This was like a half hour of reckless speculation mainlined into our veins. Not all so. that reckless. No. and Somebody and, else was talking about it. I, I got the article to prove it. Yeah, it's really fun spending other people's money. <laughs> because we learned. It. Way better than selling cars to guys at the back of a Cub Foods parking lot.